Word. All right, open up. Well, I don't know. We're going to find out where to open up. Because we're not doing Galatians. We're only doing one service, and so many people are gone. I want to pause on Galatians. I want to do a standalone message. Very rare. Don't really do that. But we're going to do it today. Turn to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. I want to talk about hope. The importance of hope in your life. And I've titled this Prophesy to Your Future. Prophesy to Your Future. Tell someone, you need to prophesy to your future. future. All right. So 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, And now abides faith, love, these two. I'm sorry, clueless translation. Now abides faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Why did I start off that way? Because raise your hand if you've heard a lot of messages on faith. Oh, I can't count how many times on faith. How, how many messages have you heard on love? Lots of them. But relative to those two, how many messages have you heard on hope? But hope is one of the big three. And so often we're looking at faith life, and, and that's important that we understand how faith works, especially the love of God, first of all, God's love to us, how we can love other people. That's extremely important. But let me tell you something that's extremely important that we have minimized or have not seen the importance of is hope. And a lot of times we are struggling in our life and we're looking at our hope, I mean, we're looking at our faith or we're looking at our love. What, what, what's wrong with my faith? What's wrong with, my, with the love area? No, it's not a, it's not a faith problem, and, and usually it's not a love problem. Oftentimes, it's a hope problem. And we're going to look at that today. So again, these three abide. Most of us have heard messages on faith and, and love, but let's talk about hope. Look at Hebrews 11. Look at verse 1. Famous verse, but don't check out. We can learn, tell someone you're going to learn something today. Hebrews 11, look at verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we pull this verse out and we say, well, we're going to define faith. We're going to talk about faith and we go to this verse. But there's another subject in this verse that we skip over and don't see the importance of it. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So you can have faith, but if you're lacking hope, there's nothing for faith to lay hold of to make substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The word substance in the Greek concordance means assurance. Heart assurance. You just know something. Raise your hand if you know you're saved. Well, I just know. I just know that I know. Uh, this word assurance was also used as a title deed in the Greek language. Who owns property somewhere else outside of Colorado? Well, you can't see it right now, but how do you know you own it? What's proof of that? I have a title deed. Well, what's the title deed in the spirit? It, it's faith is the title deed of things we can't see. The things you can't see is in the realm of hope. They're real, but you can't see it. It's in the spirit realm. Say hope resides in the spirit realm. I can't see it, can't touch it, can't feel it. It needs to be made substance 
How is faith going to bring what's unseen, what you can't touch, into substance where I can see it, touch it, and feel it in manifestation? That's called faith. Faith will bring hope into the natural. Hope will bring your future into your present. Hope is a confident, say confident, confident. expectation of the goodness of God in your future. A lot of Christians have anxiety about their future. And, and the more you watch the 12 Spies Network or the 10 Spies Network, the more you focus on the natural, you're going to have anxiety. You need to, you need to get into the good news. Tell someone you need to get, switch to the good news channel. That's the gospel. We are, we are to have a confident expectation of the goodness of God every day of our life. Because that's the only thing God has for you. Well, there's a devil out there. Yeah, but he's defeated. He's been disarmed. He has no hands or feet. Disarmed, dis defeated. Yeah, I know it's a late night for you guys last night. I realize that. <clears throat> Hope. Hope is the confident expectation of something coming into manifestation in the future that has not yet come. Hope is seeing in your heart what God has for us in Christ. It's in the spirit realm. Faith is what brings it from the spiritual into the natural. You must first have a confident expectation or a vision in your heart of what God has for you before faith can actually lay hold of it to make it into manifestation. Faith is like a combine on a farm. What's a combine in it? When, when wheat has been sown and the wheat comes up, what's a combine? Combine comes and harvests. It, it comes over and collects and, and takes that wheat and deposits it into, into the barn or into the, the grain depository. But it harvests the field. Faith is like a combine. But, but what does the combine harvest? It, it, it will bring in the harvest of hope. Whatever you have laid in your heart and the vision and what you see in your heart, faith says, I have that now. Before I can see it, I see it in my heart. I, I speak, I have it. Faith says, I have it now. And then faith, faith is like the combine that will, will harvest what hope has been developed. But a lot of people are out there like a farmer that hasn't sown anything. And the combine, there's nothing wrong with your combine. Your combine is powerful. You have the best combine, the perfect combine, but there's nothing for it to harvest because hope has not been established. A vision for what God has for you in your heart has not been established yet for faith to lay hold of it. If we don't have hope, faith can't bring it into natural realm of substance. Many, again, are looking at their faith. What's wrong with my faith? I need more faith. I, I need to work out my faith. I need my, am I in faith? It's not a faith issue. Well, maybe I'm not, not receiving God's love, or maybe I'm, I'm not walking in love like I should. That's not the issue. It's a hope problem. Tell someone it's a hope problem. 
Hope deals with what we see in our heart. Do you know your heart has eyes? Do you know you have two sets of eyes? You have a set of eyes in your head, and you have a set of eyes in your heart. Ephesians 1, we're going to look at it later. Paul says that the eyes of my heart, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Your heart has eyes. Tell someone your four eyes. <laughs> oh, don't call me four eyes as a oh, I hate it when you call me four eyes. It's more important what you see with your spiritual eyes than your natural eyes. Because what you see with your spiritual eyes will dictate what your natural eyes will see. If you don't see it yet with the eyes of your heart, you'll never see it with your eyes. It's called the law of the heart. There's a, there's a thing called the law of the heart. It's found in Proverbs 4. Look at verse 23. The law of the heart. The law of the heart basically says that your outward life cannot and will not rise above or go below the level of what you believe and see in your heart. It's a law. Proverbs 4.23 says, For out of the Keep it with all diligence, for out of it the heart spring the issues of life. Do you know your issues come out of your heart? Ask someone, do you have issues? They came out of your heart. Oh, no, it's the economy. It's, my, it's, my, it's the people around me. No, no, you're the common denominator, sweetheart. The issues came out of your heart. The, word, the Hebrew word for issues is the Hebrew word literally boundaries. Out of your heart flows the boundaries of your life. If you don't like the boundaries you're living in financially or relationally or in any other area, in your health or whatever, it was set by your heart. But good news, they can be expanded. They can be changed. But you're going to have to see something different on the inside. That's, that's, that's the issue. This law of the heart affects lottery winners. Oh, no, you're preaching against my lottery ticket. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not preaching against your lottery ticket that you have in your purse. <laughs> I'm just going to talk about lottery winners this morning. Do you know that about 95% of all lottery winners will lose it within a couple years? Law of the heart. What you really believe about yourself and you see about yourself on the inside, your outside has to. It's a law. It cannot. Say, can, I cannot. <laughs> cannot go any higher or any lower for any length of time, maybe for a little bit, maybe a little lower, go lower for a little bit, but it has to find the equilibrium of the law of the heart. And most people playing the lottery have a poverty mindset. Why are they buying a lottery ticket? Because that's my only hope that I'm ever going to have of having anything is buying this lottery ticket. And, and so, so that's not changed in their heart. And before long, they don't even realize it. 
that their outward life will take on the level of their heart. This is what happens when the government, you know, some of the, the, the scariest thing you can hear is, I'm the government, I'm here to help. And a government will come into a low housing income, uh, apartments, and it's all run down, graffiti and trash everywhere. And the government says it's their environment. we got to change the environment. And so they'll build brand new apartment complexes, move the people into them, and within six months, it's graffitied, it's trashed, law of the heart. A young lady, 18, never received the love that she needed from her father. Verbally abused, physically abused. She says, I'm out of here. And she runs as fast as she can from her father and runs into the arms of a man that's her father with a different name. She's abusing her and, and she's getting mistreated. She's out to lunch with a friend and the friend goes, well, how... How's your new boyfriend? Oh, it's horrible. I'm just getting abused. Well, why don't you leave? I don't know. Why are you? I don't know. And finally, she breaks up with him and ends up into the arms of the second guy who's the father with a different name. And that's a cycle. And she doesn't know why she seems to find herself in the situation again. But finally, she meets Joe, the good guy. Joe loves her, treats her right, is kind to her. She's at lunch after about two weeks after she's been with Joe. She says, how's things with Joe? It sounds like this is going to be a different. She says, I'm not with him anymore. Yeah. What did Joe do to you? Nothing. Nothing. He was good. Why? why are, I don't know. The law of the heart. Either when, she, when he really finds out who I really am, he'll reject me. Or, you know what, I'm bad news and anything that I do, I'm going to end up ruining this guy's life. Maybe not consciously thinking it, but subconsciously believing it. I was in the phone center doing speed counseling. Got a phone call. I can't remember what the guy had problem was. I don't remember what I prayed. And, but I do remember this at the end of the phone call. He said, um, you know, I'm, you probably pray for a lot of people during that. Yes, sir, I do. I said, well, I think it's important that I would pray for you. Can I pray for you? <sighs> sure. <laughs> and, and he prayed some things, and all of a sudden he started prophesying. He says, the Lord has says, you shall walk with giants. I'm going to share my heart, but I'm going to close it because I don't know all you guys. The first thought, literally, the first thought I had was, I hope I don't get stepped on. <laughs> literally. And the Lord showed me that I needed to change what I saw on the inside of me. And I started, and, and it wasn't too long, all of a sudden, they would asked me to be an instructor at Karis Bible College, and one day I was walking down the hall with Barry Bennett. I'm walking with giants. (laughs) 
If you don't have this vision on the inside of you, then what do you need to do? You need to, uh, or, or your heart, heart assurance isn't developed there, or you don't have that vision, you need to develop your hope. Look in the uh, ESV. I'll pop, top up the ESV in Ephesians 1.12. It brings out the proper Greek word than the New King James does. The New King James uses the word trust, but it's the Greek word elpis, E-L-P-I-S. It's the Greek word for hope, translated hope throughout the New Testament. Look at ESV in the New... In the, look, for, look at the ESV in the New King James. Just stick with the ESV. <laughs> Mailbox. All right. Ephesians 1.12. So that we who were first to hope, say first to hope. Your New King James says trusted, but Greek word is hope. So that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also. You also what? Hoped. In him you also hoped. When you heard the word of truth, let me tell you the first thing that comes to you when you hear the word is not faith, it's hope. Hope is the vision on the inside of what God has for you. It's, it's, it's what's available spiritually and it, that gets painted on the inside and then faith sees it and says, I got it. Faith comes to be hearing of the word, but, but hope is the first thing that is painted first. In him you also hoped when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed. You notice that? First came hope, then believed. Believe is important. You've got you to use faith. I have it now. But if you don't have hope, hope cannot make substance and lay hold if hope is not present. Let's look at Abraham. How God wanted to bring into manifestation a promise to Abraham. And we're going to see that whatever promise God has for you, if you'll do the same thing Abraham did, you'll get the results of Abraham. Matter of fact, you're the children of Abraham if you're a believer. Raise your hand if you're a believer. You're the children of Abraham. He's your father, spiritually father. Romans 4.16. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise, say promise, promise, might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Look at verse 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He said this before he had any children. I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now, when he says those that do not exist, it doesn't exist in the natural, but it does exist in the spiritual. Look at verse 18. Abraham, contrary to hope, in hope believed. Can you see that? In hope, believed. Hope was developed first, and then he believed, and, and faith made substance to it. God had proclaimed over Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations. But how did that take place? 
He first had to enter, Abraham had to enter into the realm of hope first and get the picture of what God had from him on the inside before faith could lay hold of it. In Abraham, Abraham in hope believed. So God changed Abram's name to Abraham. Abram means a father, but Abraham means a father of a multitude. That's before he even had one child. Look at Genesis 17.1. This is where Abram's name was changed by God. We're going to find out when this happened. Genesis 17.1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face and said, I trust you, Jesus. No. <laughs> Actually, back in, if you look it up, he fell on his face and laughed. He wasn't in faith at this point. God was trying to stir up the vision of what was potential on the inside because that looked impossible in the natural. He's 99, now he's going to have a kid. Hope had to be developed first. Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. And so this was leading up to the time of the promise of God to be birthed in Abraham. This was a year before the promise was going to come. And this was actually the last stage of him getting Abraham to get his hope up so faith can bring it into manifestation. He wanted him to start speaking his destiny. He wanted to start prophesying his future. I'm Abraham. I'm a father of a multitude. Hello, my name is, is Frank. Well, I'm Abraham. I'm a father of a multitude. I'm a father. And everywhere we're around, I'm a father of a multitude. I'm a father of a multitude. I'm a father of a multitude. Well, where's your kid? I don't have one. <laughs> but I'm a father of a multitude. Tell someone, prophesy to your future. <laughs> Actually, the promise, the first promise of him having a child supernaturally by Sarah was 25 years earlier. For 25 years, God is working with this man to develop hope on the inside, a vision on the inside that he become pregnant before Sarah got pregnant. Look at Genesis 13. This is where God starts getting Abraham to get this vision, this hope developed on the inside. Genesis 13. We just read Genesis 17. Let's read Genesis 13. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which I sh that you see I'll give to you and your descendants. Your descendants? Got to have children, have descendants. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that the man could number the dust of the earth. Then your descendants could be numbered. Arise and walk in the land through its width, its, its length, its width. I give it to you. Lift up your eyes. Tell someone, lift up your eyes. From where you are now. Stop being a navel gazer. 
Oh, it's not looking good. Look up. Look up. Lift up your eyes from where you are now. See your future. For all the land that you can see, you can have. Arise and then walk in the land through its length. And with, I want you to see the rivers and the valleys. I want you to actually see it. And get the vision on the inside. It's yours. And you will have it. Genesis 15, he's still working with Abram on his hope, getting the vision on the inside before he can bring Isaac into manifestation. Genesis 15, look at verse 1. Genesis 15 went after these things. That was after he rescued Lot. You know, he told Lot, he told him to, to leave Ur, Ur of Chaldees and don't take your family. Guess what he did? He took his family. He took his dad and he brought Lot, who became a lot of problems. He finally gets free from Lot. Genesis 15.1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. This is before he was Abraham. Still working, getting the vision, getting the hope. And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Lazy Azar of Damascus. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ali, Ali, sorry, Eliezer. Look at verse 3. God just said, he just said, I'm, I, I'm your shield and exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing? Say seeing. seeing. He's looking at the natural. He's looking at the place where he is now. Seeing. God, can't you see what I don't got? I go childless. And that was an issue for years. I'm, obviously, I've been wanting to have a kid. And now, obviously, look at Sarah. I mean, 90 ain't going to happen. She's been barren to start with. That's a sore issue you're bringing up, God. Can't you see? How can I really be blessed if I don't have a kid? Verse 3, then Abraham said, look. He's talking to God. Look, God. You've given me no offspring. You ever had that kind of conversation with God? God, look. Can't you see my checkbook? You see my body? What's going on right now? <clears throat> you see my marriage? You see my kid? Do you see that child? <clears throat> look, God. And we're telling God to look at what we see. But God responds. Verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one will come from your own body shall be your heir. And then he brought him outside 
And he said to Abram, now you look. You look at what I see. Tell someone you need to exchange looks. You need to lift up your eyes from where you are now and get a vision of what God has for you in your heart. Then he brought him outside and says, now you look. Now towards the heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. He prophesied to Abram's future. Tell someone, prophesy to your future. God first prophesied to Abram his future. This was when Abram was 75 years old. It was not until Abraham was 99 years old when his name was changed. And then in 100, it brought forth in the man. 25 years it brought into manifestation. What happened for 25 years? Vision, hope, 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 getting pregnant. So faith could birth it. Tell someone, develop your hope. Well, Pastor, how can I? How? Well, let's talk about it. How do you develop your hope? You need to have an encounter with the God of hope. Because God's a God of hope. You can't get around God much and he's going to expand your vision. Because he sees far greater than what you see about your life. You know, while I'm at the end of my road, I don't see much up ahead. God sees a lot up ahead. Tell, th- tell someone it's not over for you. God's promise is still there, still there, still on. The deal is on. As Greg Moore says, the deal is still on. You need to have an encounter with the God of hope. Look at Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of faith. Oh, I'm sorry. Clueless translation. May the God of hope. Fill you. Ask someone, are you full of it? (laughs) Are you full of the vision God has for your future? What are you full of? Worry? Anxiety? The picture the devil's painted? Are you full of what your eyes, natural eyes, see? In the desert sands that you've been walking around for 40 years. And all you see is the mountains. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. See, see, faith and hope are connected. You can't just have one without the other. Hope's great, but hope's future. Faith says, I I see it, but I got it now. I got it because I see it. I got it. You got to have faith, but you got to have hope. You got to have hope. And then once you believe you receive, then your hope goes on steroids. Because it still hasn't manifested, but you got it. I see it, and I claimed it. It's mine. I got it now. I, my hope now, confident expectation, goes on steroids. Once you add faith to your hope, then hope will operate on steroids. Now let's look at Ephesians 1. How do you develop hope? You need to pray to the God of hope. Ephesians 1, look at verse 16. One of Paul's prayers. Do you know, if you, if you want to look at Paul's prayer life, 
You need to look at what did he pray for? Because our prayer life is usually praying out things we don't want. And people we don't want. If you're married, it doesn't work. Don't look around. Don't look. Okay, that's, don't look. Me and Joe McGee is here to help you. Praying out something that we don't want or praying in something we want in our life that's not there. That's usually what our prayer life's around. Paul's prayers were different. What did Paul pray for? His, all, his prayers are always centered around revelation, understanding, knowledge, and be able to see in the, what belongs to him spiritually so that faith can lay hold of it. Because in the spirit, you got everything. You don't have a money problem, sweetheart. You have a revelation problem. You don't know who your dad is. Your dad lays gold for concrete. Your older brother's a Jew. And he's the king of the Jews. You don't have a money problem. You have a revelation problem. You have a hope problem. You don't see who you are, what you have. Ephesians 1.16, I don't see, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding, no, no, in the Greek, it's cardia, where we get the word cardiac, it's the word heart. That the eyes of your heart being enlightened, that your spiritual eyes would be flooded with light that you can see, but see what? What does God want you to see in your heart? The eyes of your heart being enlightened, that you may know, the word know is the word ado, which means see, that you may see what is the hope, the hope, the vision of his calling in your life. He wants you to see what he's called you to be, what he's called you to do. Ask him, what do you see? That the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you may see what is the hope of his calling, and see what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance, which you've already been given. Tell someone you're rich. Tell someone else, you're loaded. But pastor, I don't see it. That's the problem. You don't see it. You don't see it. So you can see it. That's why we pray. Does it come to this? Prayer. That you may see what is the hope, the vision, the plan God has for the calling. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? In, in, in. Everything you need is in your born-again spirit. It's in you. Everything to fulfill what God's called you is in you. In Christ Jesus. Verse 19, and see what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. Oh, I'm just so powerless. <laughs> you need to see the power that's on the inside of you. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. 
according to the working of his wimpy power. Oh, I'm sorry. Tell someone you have mighty power in you. Do you see it? Do you see it? Do you see it? God will illuminate the eyes of your understanding. God will give you a clear picture of your future. He'll then show you all the riches he's given you to fulfill it. And then he'll reveal his power in you to fulfill it. Let me say that again. He wants to give you a clear picture of your future and your call. Then he'll show you all the riches that he's given you to be able to tap into to fulfill it. And then he gives you the power to bring it to pass. But you got to see it. Start seeing yourself being what God says you are, doing what he says you can do. In the King James, we pop up Genesis 11, verse 6. Genesis 11, look at verse 6. Prophesying your future. Genesis 11, 6 says, And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. And they have all one language. This is the Tower of Babel. They all have one language, and this they begin to do. Now nothing, say nothing. Nothing. I did a deep word study on the word nothing. And it means nothing. Now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. If you can get the vision of it in your heart, it can be brought to pass in the natural. One of the most important things you can do is develop the inner hope and vision for what God has for you. And one of the most important things that you need to learn to do is you need to start prophesying out of your mouth what you see in your heart. Prophesy to your future that's in line with God's word. You don't just come up with whatever you want. No, you, you get, this is what's rooted in what God has for you in the spirit, has for you in Christ, who he's made you to be, what he has given you, what he has called you to do. This is where you get a vision of it, and then you start prophesying it in your future. You know, Jesus didn't just pop on the scene after the fall. Why didn't he just immediately come on in and after Adam and Eve ate us, ate us all out of house and home? No, no, 4,000 years later, in due time, he came. What happened for 4,000 years? He was being prophesied into the earth. A vision for the Messiah. Who he was and what he would do had to be established for 4,000 years. Hope takes longer than faith. Faith says, I got it. Once you, once you say faith says, I got it now. But what, what takes the long time is to develop that hope and that vision on the inside of you. Jesus was prophesied for over 4,000 years. Then one day, he was manifested. Luke 4, look at verse 17. I see the landing strip up ahead. Hang on. Luke 4, look at verse 17. And Jesus was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and all the eyes of all that were in the synagogue were fixed on him. 
And he began to say to them, today, say today, today, today. today. Now. Now. now, now, right now, right now, now the scripture's fulfilled in your hearing. God has a man, tell us what God has a manifestation. God has a now, he's got a today. But he was prophesied. And one of the books of the Old Testament that he was prophesied to be in was in Ezekiel. I want you to see something about Ezekiel that we can apply in our life that we need to learn in our own life. Look at Ezekiel 37, look at verse 1. Ezekiel, my friend Zeke. We're on, we're on, we're, we're close. Ezekiel 37, look at verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out into the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. He caused me to what? Pass what? Pass by what? Them? So what did he, he lifted them up and he carried, he did a 360 degree panorama. He wanted to get a good view. From every angle, I want you to see these bones clearly. And he caused me to pass them all around and behold, there were very many in an open valley and indeed they were very dry. Say, very dry. very dry. I want you to get a good look at how dry these bones are. Verse 3, and then he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? Now notice he had just spent doing a 360 degree panorama close vision to see that they were very dry. And at that point he had no hope. He had no vision that that could happen. Instead of making a bad faith statement, he says, I don't know. Only you, you know, Lord. Because he sure couldn't say, yeah. What about your situation? Dry bones you've been looking at. But you've been walking around and around and around. Can they live? Can your health situation live? Can your marriage live? Can your children and grandchildren, can they live? Verse 4. Again, he said to me, prophesy. prophesy to these bones and say to them, he's going to give them, give him what to say. He's not going to say, well, Zeke, whatever you say, just say it. He says, no, you say what I say, because I'm going to prophesy to you, Ezekiel. And now your turn, you must prophesy what I prophesy to you. You must prophesy to your bones. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. You need to speak to your dry bones. Dry bones, 
hear the word of the Lord. Marriage, hear the word of the Lord. Body, hear the word of the Lord. Children, grandchildren, hear the word of the Lord. And what's the word of the Lord? The word of God. What he quickens you to say. God will always prophesy to you first, but you're to take what he prophesied to you to prophesy to your situation. Because he's given you authority over it. And this is what Ezekiel said. This is what he heard from the Lord. And Ezekiel said, thus says the Lord God. This is him saying, he heard God say this and he's saying it to the bones. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause you to breathe and breath will enter into you and you shall live. That's still future, isn't it? That's not a faith statement. Faith statement says you are living. No, you shall live. Prophesying is speaking to hope. It's developing hope. You need to start prophesying your future. And the more you prophesy your future and prophesy your future and prophesy what shall be, all of a sudden you'll get, start getting a clear and clear and clear image of it. And then one day he says, I got it. I have it. I am that manifestation surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live then you shall know that I am the Lord so I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a noise and suddenly, tell someone suddenly. There's a, tell someone there's a suddenly coming. John, I feel Pentecostal. <laughs> suddenly. <laughs> a rattling. And the bones come together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, and there was no, but there was no breath in them. And then breath, prophesied breath. Breathe. And they lived and became a great army. Tell someone, prophesy to your dead bones. Hear the word of the Lord. Many Christians are staring at a valley full of dry bones. Their circumstances are very dry. There seems to be no hope of them ever being resurrected or changed, and they can't be in the natural. Can these bones live? Many are trying to operate in faith and confessing the word, but hope hasn't been established. Start prophesying, prophesying. Once hope is strong in your heart, there'll be a moment when you'll naturally say, that's me, I got it. You need to get there. I mean, hope, hope won't do it. You gotta have, but hope's gotta be there first. Hope, faith is the substance of things Andrew, 
struggling along in ministry for years and years and years. And one day the Lord said, you are limiting me by your small thinking, your small vision. You see yourself small, you talk small, you walk small. You're limiting me. Tell someone you're limiting God. But what you're seeing, what you're saying, what you're seeing on the inside, and what you're because what you're saying is coming out of what you're seeing. He says, You're limiting me. Take the limits off me. And, and Andrew came in, he meditated on that. He came in and he, he got a staff, around 25 people on his staff. He says, I, I'm gonna give I, he gave the vision of what the Lord said to him. And this is what he said, and this is what he, he tells me. He says, I don't know how long this is gonna take. To change, but we're going to have one of the largest, I have one of the largest ministries in the world. I'm going to have one of the largest ministries in the world. And he he prophesied his future. That week, money busted out. And from that moment where, where he took the limits off, and started seeing himself different and was speaking, prophesying it out. That's when things took off. And you're here probably because of it. Trying to operate in faith is trying to start a fire in your fireplace when there's no wood in it. There's nothing wrong with the matches, sweetheart. Your match of faith's fine. Your faith's fine. You got faith. Don't have the hope. Lastly, the woman with the issue of blood. Do you have issues? Matthew 9, verse 20. Jesus was walking on to heal Jairus' daughter, and suddenly a woman who had a flow, an issue of blood for 12 years came from behind, touched the hem of his garment, for she said to herself, the word said is the present tense in the Greek. She said, and 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 she said, all the way there. She just kept repeating it over to herself. She was saying to herself, if I only I may touch his garment, I shall be made whole. I shall be made whole. I shall be made whole. And the minute she touches, she says, now I got it. It's mine. Power flowed in. She was healed. Many, okay, let me just say something to you. Instead of being prophets that God called us to be, most Christians are just being reporters. Instead of being the prophet that he's called us to be over our own lives, to prophesy his word over our future, we're nothing more than reporters of what we're seeing and what we're hearing in the natural. Tell someone, start being a prophet over your life. (laughs) Practically, how do I do that, Pastor? Well, you need to start speaking the scriptures. That's important. But I think also you need to start prophesying your prophecies. Raise your hand if you've received prophecies over your life. Well, those were prophecies to you, but now they need to be prophecies from you. 
Many have received prophecies. You think, well, this is automatic. It's going to happen. No, 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 no. He's given you authority in the earth. That's right. Those prophecies to you now are to be prophecies from you, through you, and you are to prophesy what you were commanded and received from the Lord. Go back into those prophecies. 1 Timothy 1.18 says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage a good warfare. Start pulling out those prophecies. Don't just read them. Prophesying. 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 In closing, hope must come before faith to make it a substance. Hope is formed in the heart and is what the heart sees, not your physical eyes. You need to start developing hope for your future by contacting the God of hope and and receiving revelation from him. And then you need to start prophesying to your future. Close, Close your eyes. Say, Pastor, this is really hitting me. I've been thinking it's a faith issue. Now I realize that my combine works. My match works. There's nothing in the field for the combine to bring in. There's no wood in the fireplace. I want to start seeing what God has for me. I want want to start prophesying what God has for my life. I want to start being the prophet over my life and start prophesying my future. Now if that's you... I want you to lift your hand up this first year. Lord, I thank you that you called us all to be prophets over our future. Amen. Lord, I thank you that the prophecy that, you, that has gone forth on these people that will be brought back out and the prophecy to them will become prophecies through them. And they'll start prophesying their future and their boundaries will expand and faith will lay hold on us as I got it. And there'll be a manifestation this year. This year. This year, this year, say this year, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship God. Thank you, church. Um, It was almost a year ago that I stood before you and the Lord gave me the word of what you say you shall receive. And that goes off of uh, Mark 11, 22. Have faith in God. And so today, I find hope, Father, in the Word. The closer I draw to the Word, the closer I feel love. The closer I feel hope. Um, My friend Kathy's here today. And uh, I only, I can't imagine what she goes through, but it's so easy to watch her husband. I visit her husband every Thursday in the nursing home, myself and Kay. And so we go there with, just because we love people. And so when Kay and I started going seeing him, he's got Parkinson's and he doesn't respond to everything. He can't speak. Nevertheless, we go faithfully because it's not about us. It's about him. And so out of that, you just don't know what to expect. But what I've seen is hope in him. 
I see hope in Kathy. And I, I just, it just puts me to my knees to see what the spoken word can do. And the spoken word is there for us to grow and to love one another. And so I just get all choked up when I see Gary speak. I see Gary fight to get out of his, his, his he's sitting in a chair, his body's all crumpled up and he can hardly speak. In fact, most of the times he doesn't. But when he gets up and he gives you a hug and he hasn't hugged anybody in years, he doesn't ever feel loved, hasn't felt loved in years. I was raised in a generation, my dad never said, I love you. But Jesus tells us that he loves us. Father, and it just is hard to keep your mouth shut when you feel that love, you feel his presence. And so I see the hope just blossom out of Gary. At the uh, Kara's party Sunday night, that Gary was there. And I was just watching Gary and Brian come up and uh, I said, Brian, this is Gary. Gary reached his hand out and shook his hand. I have never seen anything like that from that man. And then he spoke. And I go, oh, man, I just, it just, God is at work in our lives. All we have to do is let him. So I just thank you and I praise you, Lord Jesus, for your hope. And uh, the visions that I've seen Gary getting out of that chair and being an eyewitness to all of us, what God can do when you just let him. I just thank you and I praise you now. Hello, good morning. I just, when he talked about hearing the word, I just heard very powerfully in my spirit that the Lord said that there's going to be deliverance in this place in the name of Jesus. Actually, he said great deliverance. Amen. Thank you, Pastor, for your word today. Awesome word. And what God was speaking to me today, those things that I've seen, those things that might have been dead and, and dried up, those things that you have seen in your heart with your, with your spiritual eyes, you can receive those things today. And there's nothing that can stop you from receiving those things that God has put inside of you. And they shall live. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, now, say now. Now. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now. Amen. Thank you. 